It's very clear that the Bible warns us to stay away from sin and worldliness. Now, very quickly, we have three enemies, the world, our own flesh, and the devil. And, but the two, so two, one of them is within, and that is our own flesh, our own sinful flesh. You have the same sin nature that you were born with, only through Christ, it was crucified with Christ. So, so you still have to fight it, but you can win if you'll just fight it because the, it was crucified with Christ. So we have two outward enemies spiritually, and that is Satan. Uh, I'm sorry, sin and worldliness. I started to, uh, actually, I should have said uh, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, Satan, all right? But I'm going to focus on sin and worldliness. Sin is sort of the three of them wrapped up, all right? Satan is tempting us to sin. Our flesh is tempting us to sin. And worldliness is a lifestyle of sin. And the Bible is constantly warning us to stay away from sin and worldliness. I'm afraid sometimes that we hear sin and we think of sinful things. And we want to identify all these sinful things. And if we avoid these sinful things, then we'll be okay. That's not what it's about. What it's about is our heart turning away from the Lord to something else. And so, it may not be a sinful... Okay, there may be, for example, a a song. And I'm not preaching... uh, What do they call it? Uh, I can't think of the phrase. Uh, uh, um, uh, Well, relativism. That's not the phrase I was looking for. But relativism, meaning that uh, is it sinful relative to the circumstances? And so that's not what I'm preaching. But what I am preaching is... We're all at different places in our lives, okay? For example, uh, if, if we, uh, I was in a restaurant. Man, I've, had, I've been in so many different places the last couple of weeks that uh, I, was something, I was somewhere with somebody recently, and uh, there, was, there was just some old, like, um, uh, 80s pop music playing. What didn't I, I, that doesn't affect me in the least. You know what does affect me? It would be like Cracker Barrel. But uh, 80s pop music, I don't know who's singing. I don't know the song. I couldn't sing along if my life depended on it. Uh, that doesn't affect me in a bad way in the least, but somebody else, it would. Now, that doesn't mean that I should be listening to 80s pop music. It means that I don't have to work as hard to avoid it as uh, as somebody else might. Now, you know what I what I do have to avoid is I have to avoid being in a place where, you know, somebody like uh George, it's already I've got the rhythm already when I just think about George Strait, my head starts, you know. That's what I have to avoid because I don't want to uh I don't want to go back into a music that affects me in a bad way. So I'm saying different things affect Now, certain things are deadly for all of us. Nobody should be sitting and watching a movie that has four-letter words and nudity in it or even the act of adultery. That doesn't help. That, that doesn't, that's not good. That's detrimental to all of us. So we're not talking just about, oh, this is a sinful thing. As long as I stay away from this sinful thing, I'll be okay. That's an oversimplification of it. 
The fact of the matter is, anything that turns our heart away from the Lord is sinful. Okay? So the Bible warns us, and for all the people that go around in the name of Christ today saying, well, where does the Bible say you can't do this? Where does the Bible say you shouldn't do that? Tell me chapter and verse. Okay, but there's all kinds of warnings in the Bible to keep our lives clean. There's the word I want you to spiritually, morally clean. Spiritual, moral cleanness does matter. It matters especially for the believer. And it does matter that you fight to keep the garbage out of your life and away from you. Let me give you a few Bible warnings. Literally, we could go the next 30 minutes of me just reading verse after verse that gives us warning. But let me just read you a few. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee also youthful lusts. Titus 2, 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Second, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And then, of course, the text verse, 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Clearly, the Bible warns the believer again and again and again, keep yourself clean. Keep yourself clean. Fight against the garbage influences of sin and worldliness. Overcome the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And listen, if we're not going to be warned in church, if we're not going to come together for worship and, and from time to time be warned, hey, watch out what you're looking at on Netflix. Watch out what you're looking at on YouTube. Watch out what you're seeing on, on Hulu. And I don't think Christians have any part of HBO or Showtime. Uh, what in the world are we letting ourselves see and look at? Guard yourself on the Internet. And, why, and hey, Watch out for the worldly philosophies on news shows. And even, you know, you, you really, you can't watch modern game shows because they cannot resist the temptation to just go foul and filthy every time they get the chance. You know, they have... Uh, they have 
revived a lot of the, or not a lot, but some of the older game shows. So that if you watch something in the 1970s and they revive it and do a new, you say, oh, well, it must be innocent because it was pretty innocent back then. No, not anymore. You know, the, the, um, the, the, uh, I, one of the older shows that, that I like, and I, you know, I don't know, it's st- stupid. My wife makes fun of me because uh, I'll, I'll watch a rerun of the $25,000 pyramid. And she said, why do you care who does or doesn't win something 30 years ago? And I don't know, I don't know but uh, anyway. Um, but so one time I saw that they were bringing that show back and that they were going to have a modern version. I watched about five minutes of it, and I said, well, I can't ever watch this again. Because they did not miss an opportunity for a, 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 a dirty reference, an innuendo. And I'm not going to let my mind be filled with that nonsense and that garbage. We have got to keep our minds and hearts clean. Now, let me stop and say this. I think when we hear some Bible warnings, I think maybe we hear them all wrong. I think what we're hearing is um, stay away from sin and worldliness so that you'll be a good Christian. No, that's not it. Stay away from sin and worldliness so God won't be mad at you. No, that's not it. I've heard people say, stay away from sin or God will get you. No, that's that's not it at all. That's not the point. We want to stay clean from sin and worldliness because of what sin and worldliness does to us. You know, a little kid... He's not supposed to stay away from the road because playing in the road makes him a bad boy. He needs to stay away from the road so he doesn't get hit by a car. A a child that just started walking. Don't go near the stove. Don't touch the stove. Why? So So that she'll be a good girl? No. So she doesn't get burnt. God says stay away from sin and worldliness because of what sin and worldliness does to us. Now let me touch some things that are, you know, when I was a kid growing up, every Christian believed everything I'm about to say, but not anymore. Now these are debatable issues. And it has to do with the the very influence of the world on the believer makes us think that some of these things are okay. But you should stay away from beer and and alcohol as a Christian, not to be a good boy, but because of what drinking beer, what drinking alcohol will do to you. So, yeah, well, I don't, I, I, I keep it under control. I don't get drunk. It affects you in more ways than just you getting drunk. And I'm not going to get into that whole discussion right now. But the fact of the matter is I want to be clean. Of the lifestyle. Tell me, please, how you think it's going to go when you try to witness to somebody with beer on your breath. Because while you're working overtime to lower your standards, people who don't know Christ still have very high standards for Christians. It's not, and you know, This one is not, there's already Christians making the argument for this. And when I say Christian, I use the term very loosely. 
There's already people who claim to be believers that are already making the argument for smoking pot. Because once you legalize something, we don't see the moral lines anymore. Now it's just as legal or illegal. But whether we're talking about today or 20 years ago or 20 years from now, a Christian should have no part of giving up the control of their minds and their faculties to a substance like pot or, hey, you know, we make, Christians might make the argument for pot today and 10 years from now we'll be arguing for heroin. Oh, that'll never happen. I've heard that'll never happen my whole life, and yet we keep on watching the line get lower and lower and lower and lower of what we're supposed to tolerate as Christians. We ought to want to keep our, ourselves clean from these substances, not so that we can be a good boy, be a good Christian. No, because of what they do to us. We ought to want to keep our minds and our eyes and our hearts Free from pornography and nudity. Not so that we'll be a good boy or a good girl, but because of what it does to you. We ought to want to keep our, uh, those of you that are not yet married, just keep, your, keep yourself to yourself. Don't go touching everybody. Don't go hugging and kissing everybody. Keep your hands to yourself and keep everybody else's hands off of you. If somebody's sleeping next to you, wake them up. They need to hear this. We need to to keep ourselves free from the garbage, not just to be a good boy, be a good girl, be a good Christian. That's not what it's about. It's about what what sin will do to you. We need to stay away from worldly, fleshly music. Now, again, I know that that is, that we all have different various temptations when it comes to music. And we all have different preferences. And it's real easy for me to preach against rap because I have never had any use for it. But uh, I'm not sure I've said this on Sunday morning. I said on Sunday night a couple of months ago, you know, for, for years uh, I, uh, for years I didn't have anything to do with the music that I grew up on. And then I just, I just totally let it go. And then as I was, as, as my kids were growing up, I started to use as a tool, I started to reach back to some of the songs that, uh, oh, I, I knew the singer claimed to be a believer. And, uh, you know, if somebody is, is openly a reprobate, I don't want to hear them sing. I don't care what they're singing about. I don't want to hear them sing amazing grace. If they, if they, if they claim to not know God or anything, but when I know somebody has a deep, decent life, decent reputation, and they sing a decent song about love or about life or about uh, whatever, uh, you know, I started to very carefully screen these songs and got a collection of them and listened to them. I never just, you know, turned on some country radio station to listen to it, but I got, got this collection of, uh, of a lot of Decent music, nothing about drinking or divorce or cheating or any of that stuff. Just about, you know, life and hound dogs and pickup trucks. You've heard me say that before. So June 27th of this year, I was walking with the Lord. I was, I was just, and I said, Lord, what, what do you want? What do I need to let go of to get closer to you? 
And he said, well, you could let go of that old music. That's not helping you any. And I said, uh, anything else? <laughs> he said, no, that's, that's what I want. And so uh, I let go of it. And, and I've had no, not only have I had no uh, desire for it, but I've had no, the, the first time, uh, the only time, I was sitting, I'm not kidding you, I was sitting on the platform in that church that I preached at last week. And uh, the pastor just innocently said a, made a statement. It was like a phrase that was a title of a country song. That, but he wasn't, he wasn't using it that way, but that, it, right away. And I thought, man, it'd be nice to hear so-and-so's voice again. And I said, ah, get that out of your head. Forget that. And what was funny, and Satan knows what you hear, and he knows what's up there. He can't read your mind, but he knows what he's put up there. You know what I'm saying? And so that afternoon, I was with my wife. We were driving. I was just looking for a local news station on the radio. And whose voice do you think uh, I passed? And, uh, I mean, six months ago, I would have stayed and listened to the rest of that song. But I said, nope, let's keep on moving. Um, So... Uh, but why, you say, why it's an issue, Pastor, your music that you listened to before, that was so stinking innocent, maybe for you, but God asked me for it. So I let go of it. And I mean, I don't even, I don't even listen to the instrumental versions of, I don't, it's, it's like uh, everything I listen to since then all the time. And I listen to music all the time uh, is, is just music that lifts up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying, though, whatever is over the line for you. There are some things that need to be over the line for all of us. Nobody needs to be listening to songs about getting high. Nobody needs to be listening to songs about getting drunk. Nobody needs to be listening to music about, uh, yeah, uh, about a, a wicked relationship, you know, relationship with somebody you're not married to. Nobody needs to be listening. That's not helping. I don't care who you are. That's not helping you. But it's not. So that you'll be, don't listen to that because you want to be a good Christian. No, it's because of what that's doing to you. The cursing and foul language that surrounds all of us every day. It's at work. It's at school. It's all around you. It's on your block. It's, it's in, it's on the news. It's amazing that, uh, I mean, just news commercials they got to put the filth in there. We are surrounded by it. We are bombarded by it. And we've got to block it out. We have got to, we have got to do our best to live our lives, keep clean of the nonsense. Why? So you'd be a good boy? No. Because of what it does to you. All right. So let's move forward. i got a list of other things. But what does sin do to you? Real quick, before I give you some... Just encouraging solutions that will help you forward. What does sin do to you? Sin puts distance between you and God. When you sit and watch that, that movie that just shows you all kinds of scenes of godlessness, foul language. It may, now obviously if you're sitting, you're looking at, at uh at nudity, that's, that's not helping. That's hurting you. That's messing you up. It's messing up your mind. It's messing up your heart. It's messing up your marriage. It's messing up your future marriage. But even to see scenes of concepts, 
So in other words, no, they don't show, and let me be as discreet as I can, but they don't show what's going on in the bedroom, but you know that what they're doing in the bedroom goes against everything that is right. Well, you sit there and soak it in, it's messing up your mind. And it puts a distance between you and God. What does sin do to you? It puts distance between you and God. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. So that he can't do his work. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you, but he can't when he's grieved because you've grieved him with your sin. The Holy Spirit wants to encourage you. He wants to lead you. He wants to to, uh, direct you in your life. But he can't do that work when he's grieved. Think about that word grieve. Think about the times in your life when you have truly grieved over the loss of someone that you love. And think about the Holy Spirit grieving in that way because of what you have let into your eyes, because of what you have let into your ears, because of the thoughts and the concepts that you have entertained because of something that you read online. It grieves the Holy Spirit. What does sin do to you? It causes you to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. You have victory when you walk in the Spirit. You please God when you walk in the Spirit. You can impact people for Jesus Christ when you walk in the Spirit. But you're not walking in the Spirit when your mind and heart are filled with garbage. And that's why you have to avoid the garbage. Keep it out of your life. Listen, way too many Christians have no filter at all on what influences them. You just watch anything, any old thing that comes in front of you. And there's no way you're going to walk in the Spirit that way. What does sin do to you? It hurts your influence for Christ. You can't have an influence for Christ if you're not Spirit-filled and you're not going to be Spirit-filled. What is it? You, when your life is full of sin, you cause the Spirit of God to be in this tiny little compartment of your life. That is not spirit fullness spirit fullness is when your life is so free from sin and self that the spirit of god can control how you think and how you live and you cannot have an influence for christ when your life is full of sin what does sin do to you it hinders your purpose in life this i don't know of anything that breaks my heart anymore about christians in general than the fact that we cannot see that our purpose in life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That when you, and I'm putting it in simple terms right here, but just so we can understand, when we stand before God, we are going to be graded according to how we let him conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And if we didn't keep our lives clean then God can't conform us to the image of Christ let me let me just say this before I give you some just some very quick thoughts on how to accomplish this so I'm gonna be very quick we're almost done here let me say this there's a big difference between falling to temptation now and then which because we're all imperfect we're all gonna do There's a big difference between that and not even fighting, keeping the doors wide open to sin 
and whatever happens, happens. We don't even fight it. We don't confess our sin. We don't care whether we sin or not. And I got to tell you, if you can go for any period of time and not care whether you sin or not, I got to wonder if you really know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But there's a big difference between failing and getting right and failing and getting right between that and just the doors are wide open and I will do what I want when I will watch what I want I will listen to what I want I will participate in what any time any place big difference between those two extremes so how do I keep myself clean some thoughts about that first of all if you're going to succeed you're going to have to do battle every single day What does the Bible say in Ephesians 6? Put on the whole armor of God. I was in a men's meeting probably seven or eight years ago. And there was a man in that. It was, it was, a, it was a marriage retreat, but there were split sessions. And they had a testimony time in the split session. And um, one, of the, one of the men in that testimony time was a, a um, colonel in the United States Army. And he had done numerous tours in Iraq. And we were testifying. He said, you know what is just crazy? He said, since I've been back in the States. He said, we had, we had uh, in Iraq, we had a, a green zone and a red zone. And he said, the, the red zone is where you'd never, you never would think of stepping into the red zone because red zone means you could, you could have a, a sniper on you at any given time. The green zone, you knew you were safe. He said you would never think of stepping out of the green zone without being fully armed. Every bit of armor, everything you had when you left the green zone, you, you made sure you were fully armed and protected. He said, and yet I come home, and he said, I will not hesitate to walk out of my house without being prayed up. He said, and God tells us we've got an army, uh, we've got an enemy that has a, a red dot focused on us all the time, just waiting for permission to pull the trigger. Do you understand you and I are in Satan's sights, and not, not him personally, but he has all kinds of, of uh, principalities and powers that, that work under him, that, that, and he's got at least one assigned to you, and you are in his sights all the time. And we cannot afford to go forward without the spiritual armor of Ephesians chapters. You ought to memorize Ephesians chapter 6. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Memorize, learn what each of those pieces are, and arm yourself spiritually every single day of your life. You're going to have to do battle every day. Not only that, but focus on positive spiritual objectives, like there's, there's numerous spiritual objectives in the Bible. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. 
Well, the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. These are positive things. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're not going to stay clean by making it your objective today. Okay, I can't sin today. I can't sin today. I can't. You're going to fail. You are setting yourself up for failure. James chapter 2 says every man sins when he is drawn away by his own lusts and enticed. Drawn away from what? Drawn away from walking in the light. Drawn away from abiding in Christ. Drawing, drawn away from fellowship with God. So your objective should be fellowship with God every day. Focus on positive spiritual objectives if you want to defeat the negative. The thing about each of those passages that I read and any other one that you uh, want to look at, it presents a negative and a positive. For example... It says, uh, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. So focus on following righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. Don't make your focus to flee youthful lust, because then you're just running away from stuff. You need to be running to stuff all day, every day. Run to Jesus all day, every day. Get rid of strongholds of sin. You have something that makes it easy for you to sin. Get it out of your life. Get it out of your house. If you're going to try to give up drinking, don't keep a six-pack in the fridge. Just I remember somebody told me one time, I just keep a beer in the fridge to keep me honest. How does that keep you honest? It keeps you on the edge is where it keeps you. And by the way, he eventually wound up failing. Just get it out of your life. Get it out of the house. Get it away from you. If you can't, hey, if, if television commercials or whatever mess you up, get rid of your TV. So I can't imagine living without my TV. Then, then you may not have a shot of being victorious until you get the strongholds out of your house, out of your life. Keep your heart close to the cross. I mentioned this already. I mentioned it in Sunday school. I mentioned the beginning of the service. I think I mentioned the beginning of the message. But I can't beat this drum too often. Jesus died for your sins. That means everything about your sin has already been crucified. I can prove that to you verse after verse after verse in the New Testament. Ye are dead, Colossians says, and your life is hid with Christ in in God. Romans chapter 6. I I can't find the phrase, but if I start at the beginning, I'd get there. But um, Romans chapter 6, we are crucified. Ye are dead. No, that's Colossians. Um, therefore being baptized with him unto, uh, never mind. I'm, I'm waste your time trying to find it. It's up there though. Um, but again and again and again in the new Testament, everything about you that wants to sin was crucified with Jesus on the cross. It's already dead. So then why do I sin? Because you still have a sinful nature that manifests itself all the time. It won't be gone until we get to heaven. Praise the Lord for that day. No more sinful nature. But your pride, yourself, it still shows up every day, brings you down. So what do you need to do and I need to do is we need to run back to the cross and re-acknowledge many times a day, I am dead to sin through Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I pray that you'd live through me today. I don't know any place that says it better than Galatians 2.20. That's my prayer many times a day. Lord, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's not just a statement of fact. That is a prayer that you can bring to the Lord to realign yourself with, with the cross where your sins were crucified and your sin nature was crucified with Jesus Christ. That's not fairy tale, folks. And by the way, it's not an escape hatch. When you feel temptation coming on, oh, oh, i got to reckon myself dead and everything will be okay. No, it's a way of life. It's a way of life that causes you to avoid sin so that you don't even want. Is it possible that you used to not be without a, a drink all day long and now you don't even have the desire to look at it? Yes, it is possible. Through the power of the cross, it is possible. And whatever you want to put in there in the place of drink, it is possible to live in that place of victory where Christ lives through you. But it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle every day of you realizing you cannot succeed in the power of your own flesh. You have to get to the cross and let Christ live through you by faith. Father, I pray that you'd help us to fight the battle of staying clean.